Thank you for listening to the George Reister podcast presented by the Unafraid Show, where faith, family, fatherhood, food, and sports all meet and we discuss them. But today we have a special episode. This is about a real sports episode that just aired on HBO. Make sure you guys tune in and check it out. It's episode three of this year. We all remember when Rudy Gobert Jazz Center was diagnosed with coronavirus because that stopped the sports landscape. NBA stopped, MLB stopped, March Madness was over with, all in the blink of an eye. It seemed like it just came out of nowhere overnight. But apparently, the cities, CDC, all these people knew what was coming and the sports leagues around the world, not just here in the United States, kept going, which allowed this virus to spread even more. David Scott from HBO corresponded on Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, does a fantastic piece about it, and we have him on as a guest today. We're going to talk about what was really going on, was it, did the leagues hesitate to stop because of money or was it just they didn't understand how big of a deal it was? We're going to talk about the the uh, tracing, contact tracing that Tectonics is able to do. I'm also going to ask him about the fan money versus the television money. And our guest, David Scott, veteran TV journalist, and he's a real sports with Bryant Gumble correspondent and producer this man has won emmys he's won all sorts of awards mr david scott thank you for joining us today thanks for having me on george appreciate it man i am so excited because i know that you are the man with the information i just watched (laughs) uh your uh your piece on real sports the other night about the coronavirus and all the things that are, are are going on, like how long did it take you to kind of accumulate all this information that you were able to get? Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, we um, we uh, we started uh, sheltering and in, in, in place or working from home uh, early in March. Um, uh, pretty early in March, they HBO made a decision to to take us off the road and stop down most of its productions for social distancing reasons, and um, and that's why you know March was the first time in 25 years that no was episode edition of of real sports, right? So we spent uh, we spent the month just really digging in and trying to really figure out what our role should be in. The context of the of the crisis, um, you know, we 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 couldn't justify uh, violating social distancing um, in our in our coverage and production because we're not doing like breaking news coverage, um, and um, and and you know, yet we wanted to, you know, we wanted to use our role as the place that people turn to to understand the intersection of sport and society. Um, by by doing something relevant, and so we started um, early in March. You know, looking into um, how teams and leagues were responding to public health officials around the country as they were calling for the disbanding of mass gatherings. Um, and so our story begins in uh, Milan, Italy, on February nineteenth, uh, at a soccer game played between a Spanish team from Valencia 
and, uh, and, a, and a local team in northern Italy from a town called Bergamo. Um, and it was the first time in the 113-year history of the Bergamo Club, Atalanta it's called, that they made it to the Champions League knockoff round. And so uh, a third of the population of the town beat a path to this stadium in Milan and, uh, and there uh, commenced um, a, a kind of soccer celebration that, um, that, uh, that, um, that Europe is so famous for. Um, uh, but nobody knew that the virus was present in that arena. And, um, and so, so this gives us a way to understand how a single sporting event, a single live spectator sport event can actually move the needle in a pandemic, right? And you think yeah. about it, it's not just that tens of thousands of people are being gathered together um, uh, in, in close quarters, um, but what are they doing? They're cheering and jeering and singing and, and eating and drinking and high-fiving and, and, and trading, uh, trading vapors <laughs> in, yeah. in just the way that, um, that communicates disease. And, um, and, uh, and so, um, so from there, we, we come to the Bay Area in, uh, of San Francisco in the first week in March. And public health authorities are calling on institutions across society to send their people home, work from home, uh, and, to, and to cancel or postpone mass gatherings. Facebook sent its people home, so did Google. Um, the biggest employers in San Francisco did, all the universities. One sector of the community resisted those calls by public health officials to stand down, and that was professional sports. Uh, so in the, in the week that, um, that, uh, that followed, um, there, were, there were three San Jose Sharks games. There was uh, a San Jose Hurricanes soccer game, um, and there were two Golden State Warriors games. Uh, gatherings of tens of thousands of people in contradiction of what public health authorities were calling on the community to do when we had one weapon against the virus. There was no, there's no vaccine. There's no treatment. Um, we have one weapon and, um, and, and that was social distancing. Um, so in a way we're, we're examining the unique epidemiology of live spectator sports in the context of a pandemic like this. And, uh, and I think in some ways raising the question, you know, what is the role of major U.S. sports leagues and teams when, uh, when the, the, the you know, public health relies on them stepping down uh, until, uh, until, um, until it's safe to, uh, to, to, to gather uh, again in, uh, in the way that, uh, that we've all, you know, well, become so used to and so addicted to. Yeah, in um, the, that's our story. In, in, in the piece, uh, John Schwartzberg, the professor at Cal, he talks about like that sports are the most risky thing. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, so if Rudy Gobert, if he doesn't get Corona then, if it's a week later, if it's two weeks later, like our sports, would sports still have been going on? Good question. I mean, you know, I the um, what we found in the case of the Bay Area and and elsewhere in the country is um, is that um, they were waiting to be told what to do. They were not going to accept recommendations. 
uh, they were waiting for mandates, and uh, and and uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of sports te- teams and 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 leagues really did resist um, resist these calls by public health officials when they were in the form of strong recommendations, um, and uh, and only when they became or or threatened to become outright mandates did uh, did they stand down. Now, the NBA situation was a little little different. They had a positive test. It was very hard to get past that. Um, um, So I think you raise a a good question. Would they have, how long, for how long would they have continued playing? Would they have continued playing through March 11th, which was the last day that the full sports calendar was was played? Would they have uh, continued beyond the, the point at which the World Health Organization declared a formal pandemic? Um, uh, uh, it's a good question. I don't think we'll ever know the answer, um, but, um, but uh, it's the right question because, um, you know, what we end up with is, uh, is, is, you know, the most powerful, most popular sports leagues in the country working directly against um, public health imperatives of the time. Well, and and it seems like that there was a stroke of good luck or fortune, if you will, that the 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl. Because if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, kind of where the outbreak, where it seemed like it started here was on the cruise ship, which ended up docking there. And you have people in San Francisco, the Bay Area get sick. So if that happens, then you could have potentially had people at the parade with a million people, which could have been like significantly worse. Well, that, that would have that would have been a disaster. But you know, I, I should say that we're 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 really focusing on on a, a very short period of time. Uh, we're not talking about January or February, and, and you know what what anybody could have or should have done uh, in hindsight. We're talking about the first two weeks in March, arguably the most critical point um, for for uh, for our country, um, at a time when if the leagues didn't know what to do. They were being told what to do by public health authorities at every level of government. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying that, um, you know, in January and February, they, they should have had this all wired up. Um, but I'm saying that, um, uh, that you know, come early March, when, uh, when you're hearing public health authorities from the local, state, and federal level all saying the same thing, we have no immunity, we have no vaccine, uh, we have no treatment. All we have is social distancing. Stand down on mass gatherings. Um, and at that point, um, uh, what we find from, uh, you know, too many examples of, frankly, is resistance from, uh, from professional sports. In so, so was this about money and losing money that, that they were trying to avoid or they just didn't believe it was that big of a deal? Good question. Um, another excellent question. Uh, was this public health ignorance? Uh, was it um, just the fact that business enterprise uh, tends to be self-perpetuating and want to stay in business? Uh, was this outright bean counting? Um, you know, each one of those games is uh, the Warriors games, you know, reportedly worth um, $3.7 million. Um, and, you know, that's before you get to, to, to media contracts and, and sponsorships and, and all of that. So um, you get to the tens and hundreds of millions pretty quickly. In the case of the International Olympic Committee, you get to the billions pretty quickly. The IOC was the last league to stand down. It wasn't until March 24th that they finally accepted that, uh, that the summer games had to be canceled. Um, and all through that period of time, they were holding 
They were holding qualifying uh, uh, events with thousands of athletes from all over the country, um, straight through the middle of March, including boxing and wrestling and Taekwondo, you know, contact sports where sweat and spit and snot, uh, you know, are routinely traded. Um, so, um, so, you know, money tends to be a motivation. Um, uh, in this case, it's hard to, okay, cool. Sorry. We good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so money tends to be a, a, a motivation in this, in this case, it's, it's hard to accept. I think that, um, you know, these, as, as Schwartzberg says in our story, these really intelligent people who basically controlled sports couldn't think their way through to see that the prize was public health. Yeah, that, I think that that's the biggest issue is that, is that money versus that, versus what the fan health is. And there was a company that you uh, talked about in the story, I think it's called Tectonics or Tectronics. Tectonics, that's right. Yeah, that tracked the the fan cell phones. So yeah. the 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 first thing that immediately popped out to me is like, how is this possible? And how is this legal? First of all, like, <laughs> is this seemed like a privacy via violation? Even though this was phenomenal information, that was the first <laughs> thing that came to my mind. I was like, oh wow, you know, know probably probably read the fine print in your <laughs> read the fine print and you know in your cell phone uh, your cell phone contract and and you know maybe there's some. Maybe there's some some hints of it there. I, I feel like we, you know, we probably in agreeing to participate in, you know, in in some marketing thing or sharing of of uh, of information. You know how these things pop yep. up, sign yeah, off exactly. on them. There's probably nobody, some, nobody but, you know, reads but, yes, the iTunes the, right, the exactly. iTunes yeah, update yeah, with the yeah. fine print. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and, and frankly, you know, there there are a lot of countries who are using the same mechanism to to do contact tracing for the virus. You know, looking at uh, trying to figure out if you're an infected person, using your cell phone data to figure out who you've been in contact with and who you may have exposed. That's one of the ways that that places like South Korea and Singapore have um, have uh, um, have you know kind of prevented the uh, the spread of the infection. Um, I don't know that that's going on here. Unfortunately, our government is so behind in in uh, in tackling this thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that you know that that tectonics graphic where you see you know the thousands of people who who returned home from spring training in Florida from baseball spring training games um, and how far and wide they scatter um, because again, this is the unique epidemiology of of live sports, right? The conceit of of spring training is it draws people from all over the country. It's part of the the great tradition of baseball in America. You get closer to your favorite team and yep. teams and players than you ever could in a in a regular season. And so all of that again, you know, helps to create exactly the kinds of conditions in which disease is communicated. And well, um, and and as we've all learned, once the math starts to that kind of contagion, it's very hard to catch up to it. Yeah, and and the leagues, the, uh, but besides the Olympics that were impacted the most, obviously was was the NBA because their season was almost finishing. MLB is already you know a month <laughs> a month w w without spring training. Season would have been going on for a month, and college basketball two billion dollars is gone. So, like, how much pressure are these leagues under to get back going with and 
like how does that factor into public safety? Because everybody's talking about, oh, should, should we go back to work? But then they're saying there's going to be a resurgence of it in the fall or the winter. I mean, where where's the you know, where do you find the happy medium? Because there's television money versus fan money from people having in the seat. So do you play it without fans, with fans? I mean, there's the big rub right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, here is where I think we really have to um, we really have to all hope and and call um, on the decision makers to to allow themselves to be led by the science, um, and, uh, even more so than by business principles, um, because uh, um, you know once we once we get ahead of the science, we're on we're in, in a very slippery slope. Um, and, uh, and, and you're right, you know, even if they don't allow I me mean, before you, you know, how these events play out, right? Yeah. Even before you get to counting fans, you're probably in the hundreds between the teams, their staffs, their trainers, medical staff, you know, the event staff, me, you know, media staff, uh, uh stadium staff, um, you know, this, they're, they're going to be hundreds of people gathered together in close contact in any event, um, even if they're not tens of thousands. And, and, um, and, and again, you know, um, before we have a vaccine, before we have a treatment, before we have herd immunity, um, if we, um, you know, if, if we create the conditions for, for, you know, for contagion to spread, um, it's, going to, it's going to prolong the period of time in which we have to wait for, for a return to normal, including return to sports. Before we let you go, um, I, I want to know about kind of fast tracking, looking toward the future. If there is another virus, there is a resurgence of the coronavirus, another out, outbreak from the information that you learned in the HBO Real Sports piece. Um, do you believe that the future, that leagues will be more responsive in the future or in terms of halting games or something or less responsive? Well, they, they need to be more responsive, a lot more responsive, frankly. Um, in fact, they, they need to have, uh, they need to have a, 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 not just a plan, but, but a plan to fall in line with, uh, with, with public health officials when they say what we should be doing. Um, and, um, and, it, and what we've all learned is that um, social distancing only works if it's pretty extreme, if it's pretty strict. Um, so we can't have you know, gatherings of thousands and tens of thousands of people, um, you know, shouting at each other and, um, and, and sharing popcorn in, uh, in stadiums and, and are, in arenas. There's a hugely important role for sports to play. Imagine if, if, uh, if the major U.S. sports leagues had decided to use their immense popularity to change public behavior for the better in this crisis, uh, to explain to fans why we have to stop down, why we, you have to stay home to the extent that that's possible. Um, and, um, and, and yet that's not what happened in this case. Let's hope that it will happen next time um, because, um, you know, there will be a next time. Uh, we know that uh, it could take another hundred years. Uh, yeah. It's been a hundred years since the last one. Um, but um, but uh, there's really, um, you know, there's every reason for, um, for, for sports leagues to be uh, charged with uh, this responsibility um they can do a lot of good on the other hand they can do a lot of harm yeah 
So where where is the liability? Because in the piece, you showed that the Warriors, I believe it was, they had signs up at the game basically saying that you come at your own risk and that, that you can't sue us and all of that. And I was thinking, is that even legal? And how much liability are the teams actually under when they know that there's a public health crisis or even when it goes to going back to sporting events? Yeah. Well, we, we thought that was one of the most telling things in, in, in our reporting, you know. Um, the point at which you have, to, you have to post notices at the gate saying, if you catch coronavirus, you can't sue us. Um, uh, you know, as, as one of the, one, as the medical ethicist in our piece says, then you know you shouldn't be having the game at all, right? If you have yeah. to do that. Um, and I find it really, um, you know, the psychology of it, though, uh, really interesting and, and slightly manipulative, actually, right? You're a fan. You spent, you know, how much, how much to go to a Warriors game? Oh, right. for, for a family of four yeah. with decent seats, at least yeah. a thousand bucks. Okay, so you spent a thousand bucks. You love the team. You trust the team. You trust the league, you know, um, and you get to the stadium and you see that sign. You're going to walk away? Or are you going to think they're not going to have this here if, if, if there's a problem? If it's exactly. not safe, they wouldn't have the game. Right? Exactly. Um, so, I, I, you know, I find it, um, I, you know, I find the psychology of it, psychology of it interesting, manipulative, uh, cynical. Um, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if it's, you know, if, if they're actually protecting themselves um, or if it's just the kind of thing where, um, where you know, it, it, it hasn't been tested. Um, or they hope it won't be tested, but um, but yeah, I thought that was one of the, the really telling things in, in our reporting. You got to put up a sign saying you catch coronavirus, you're on your own. Um, yeah. You probably shouldn't be having the event. Exactly. How how much though, when when you were covering this this story, because I with, with so much misinformation, the coronavirus turning into a political issue, like how were you able to cover this objectively? With, with without kind of getting in the weeds of that what do you mean um that the that the coronavirus has turned into you know who's to who's to blame should we be going back to work this is the, uh, the democrats this is the republicans like mm. how are how are you able to cover this objectively and you, you know and get down to the facts and the nuts and bolts of what happened with mm-hmm. without uh placing with, with, without kind of people injecting their political issues or trying to blame a particular person as opposed to understanding what truly happened. Right. Well, this is the discipline of, of, of what we do. And, and you, you know, our show, um, you know, we're, we're like the least sensational show on in in sports media, right? It's, we don't use any fancy graphics or or music. It's really about the, the reporting and the storytelling to us. And we try and really play it straight um, you know, we hold ourselves to, to high standards of, of, uh, of objectivity and, and, and disinterest. Um, and, um, uh, and we, you know, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not always easy, but it is the discipline of, of, of what we do. We're trained to do. Um, and, you know, uh, more often than not, um, you know, we, 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 we tend to feel like we're, um, you know, we're, we know where North is, um, and uh, and look, you know, we're we're not um, we're not we're not we're not here to to, to judge. We're here to report, um, and um, 
uh, and you know, uh, let the viewers sort of uh, come to their own their own conclusions. And um, uh, and I think that's what that's what you'll find if you you know, watch this uh, this latest show. Um, it, it has it may look a little different than than most of our shows uh, than than all of the rest of our shows have, but it has the same DNA, which is about straightforward reporting. You know, we don't shy away from the from the 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 you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we try and uh, lay it all out for for the viewer to decide. Um, uh, and uh, so I hope everybody you know will 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 give it a watch and um, and see what they think. It's um it's you know it's it's good to uh, it's a privilege to you know to be able to to play a role an important role in this uh, in this crisis. So th this is what we can do. Um, we think to uh, to bring value to the viewer. Uh, thank you so much, David. I, I appreciate it. Guys, that is David Scott, veteran TV journalist with Real Sports, well, for Real Sports with Brian Gumble. He's a correspondent there. Did, and, and I hope and wish more, more Emmys and awards for you and to continue to not only entertain us, but inform us and to, you know, and to share great stories like you always do. Appreciate you, George. Thanks very much. All right, thanks. Take care. Stay safe. Okay, you too. Wow, that was deep. I mean, so I watched the real sports story. And yes, they did a great job producing and all that. But I think that there were so many questions that we have still about the virus and about the leagues. And, and they raised fair questions like, if the cities knew, why? Why did you wait? To shut it down was this willful ignorance or was it about the money or did you just not understand what it was which which is it because I think that clubs put themselves at liability because if you paid a thousand dollars almost you know 150 bucks a ticket for you and your family then you buy a jersey for your kids, you buy, you pay for parking, you get to the stadium and you see that sign talking about, oh yeah, there's a, a potential you could get this virus. You're not going to think that it's a big deal because they're still putting on a game. You're going to say, oh, this is, you know, some fine print that people are doing the way they can't get sued and all that. Same thing that happened in Italy. All those people in game zero, that soccer game, infected so many people and they died. So granted, I know we all want to get back to work. I know we all want to get back to sports because th this is what we do for a living. This is our entertainment. But we have to make sure we are vigilant and protecting ourselves. David summed it up so well. And I thank him for joining us today. Please make sure that you guys hit him up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter at George Reister. Shoot an email. GW podcast at unafraidshow.com. Make sure that you leave a voicemail. Link is in the bio. Share the podcast with a friend and tell a friend about the George Reister podcast and leave a five star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Peace out. Catch you later.